0: Our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 7 through 11. Uh, So I invite you to open up your Bibles with me there. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Uh, We've been taking it slowly through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, listening for how he gives instructions for us to live, a fulfilled life, And so as we prepare to hear his teaching for us this morning, uh, I want us to remember some of the things that Jesus has already kind of taught, some of the things that he's pointed out and highlighted for us, uh, that he's given to us. Uh, because I think sometimes when we read scripture, we, have, we can you know, have that temptation to maybe, uh, I'll take something here and I, and I read it, or I'll take something over here and I read it, and whenever I don't hear it within the context of either the entirety of scripture, I don't hear it within the context of what's being proclaimed at that point in time. Uh, that sometimes we can have a distorted understanding. And so as we hear Jesus's instructions this morning, it's, it's falling within the greater context of the Sermon on the Mount. So that those who are hearing this for the first time aren't just going to hear the small section that we read. They've already heard what uh, precedes it. So I want us to get some of that context uh, as we think about Jesus's instructions. These are some of the things that Jesus... Has already taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he taught us to love your enemies. He says, "Love your enemies, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven." Uh, he's told us, hey, "Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows what it is." He says uh, to pray. Uh, saying, give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer that we pray on an ongoing basis. He has taught us you know, not to store up treasures in heaven, uh, but to store up our treasures on, I mean, sorry, not to store up treasures on earth, uh, but instead to store them up in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, and he told us, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things, all the things that you need will be added unto you. And so as we hear Jesus teaching us this morning to ask, to seek, to knock, that our God is good, all of it is precipitated by these other instructions about what is good and what God desires for us. And so I invite us to hear now Jesus teaching, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks shall find. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. So now the audience uh, for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount would have been primarily Jewish people living in the Galilee region, and so they've heard Jesus giving them a call throughout the Sermon on the Mount to live a righteous life, to live a life of right relationships with God and with others. And Jesus has told them, says, you know what, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to have a kind of righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, who are the people who seem to have it all figured out, the people who seem to have everything put together. He says, kingdom of heaven, you want to go to it, your righteousness has to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. He's pointed out throughout the Sermon on the Mount that doing the right thing, the God-honoring thing, that it's, it's not just about checking all of the right boxes either. That instead it has to do with the things that are going on within our hearts. It's about having a heart that is aligned with God's heart. Uh, righteousness, right living, uh, right, right relationships with God and with others begins within what's in our heart. And so now Jesus, after instructing them in a way of right living, in a way of righteousness and right relationship with God, kind of helps to explain to the people who are there listening, to the Jewish audience who's gathered around them, and to us who are listening even now about why this kind of life, this way of living can be a way that brings hope and peace. I think he's offering this encouragement because Jesus knows that Uh, the way that he's instructing us to live, the way that he's inviting us to live so that we might have a fulfilled life is a little bit more challenging uh, than the ways that the world offers to us. The way that Jesus instructs us involves a lot more humility and showing mercy than the ways of the world around us. It involves a lot more forgiveness of others, a lot more serving than we see in the world around us. It involves uh, a lot less pursuit of the things that the world puts forth that will bring us joy and instead to pursue God and his purposes. But Jesus is telling us to live in this way even though it might appear and seem more challenging that it's not for nothing. We're reminded that our hope, our peace, our joy is found as we live this way trusting in God's goodness. All right, trusting that as we seek God that God is good to us. That God is good for us. Now for a Jewish audience who's hearing this particular passage and this whole Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is teaching here to ask, to seek, and knock, they would hear all of this within a context of prayer. If we hear it, we also kind of hear some of those same notes as well. To ask is a regular part of our prayer. It's a part of the prayer model that we use as a church. Praise, repent, ask, yield. We ask God to meet us in the midst of our needs, and we ask God to meet the needs of the community around us. But to seek and to knock are also expressions that the people of Israel would have heard as, uh, as terms of prayer. And so, this expectation that Jesus is giving this kind of threefold ask, seek, and knock expectation of prayer wasn't something that was uncommon, but what may have been a little bit striking for the people as Jesus is uh, encouraging them to pray is that prayer isn't just uh, some part of a checklist of doing the right things, but that the prayer is involvement in an intimate relationship with a God who loves us and a God who is good for us, more than just offering encouragement to pray. Jesus is bringing this prayer, this communication, this asking, seeking, and knocking inside of a loving relationship with a Father who is good. Father is an important word. It's it's not just some throwaway word for Jesus. I mean, he's used it multiple times now in the Sermon on the Mount because he's intentional about reminding us of a God who uh, is our Father, a God who loves us and has a deep love for us, a God who uh, wants to be in relationship with us. Not some God who's just up there or out there somewhere, but a God who wants to be intimately involved in every step of our lives. As as the Son of God, when Jesus uh, talks to us about the Father, he's inviting us to be participants within the relationship that he shares with God, to be, you know, co-heirs with him, to join in that connection that he has. And unlike earthly fathers who fall short, Jesus is pointing us towards a heavenly father who is always good, a heavenly father who always does good for his children. You know, this uh, past week, my wife Gwen was out of town for a couple of days, uh, and so it was just me and the kids uh, and we, we survived, we're all here, so that's, that's, that's one thing. Uh. No, I'm not the, the just kind of anything-goes kind of dad, that just, you know, whatever you do, stay alive. I, I like a little bit more structure than that. Uh, but uh, as soon as my wife left, it's like, all right, family meeting. All right, what are we going to do now that mom's gone? Like, what are we going to do? What kind of things do we want to plan? Uh, and more importantly, you know, what do we want to eat uh, now that she's not here? And, and so all of the favorites just came out flying, right? Like hot dogs and hamburgers and macaroni and cheese, chicken nuggets and pizza, uh, you know, all, all of the good stuff and not. A of vegetable and sight. Um. And this was just for one night, right? I mean, they wanted all of this on the same night. And so we had to we had to sit down. We had to kind of reason together a little bit. You know, we can't have all of these things on the same night. Some things, you know, some things we might not be able to have because we already have a couple of things planned and it might not fit our schedule. And so we had to figure out how we spread it out over a few different nights. You know, maybe not everybody gets the thing that they wanted or that they asked for on the first night. But by the time that she would come back, by the time my wife came back, that everybody would be able to have a meal of their choosing. And then I'll add a few vegetables in there as well. Because you know, because not only you know, do we want to do good by the things that they're asking, but as a parent, as a father, sometimes you know something that might be good for your children that they might not necessarily want or ask for themselves. So as I think about Jesus' words If you then who are evil, and and I've got my own faults and failures, I've got my own issues and challenges, I I can resonate with this. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And, And it might not be the good thing that you have that you ask for and that you get it right away, because God Maybe God has a different perspective, a, a bigger perspective. You know, God uh, maybe sees a little bit more than what we see, and maybe it might not be good for us today. Maybe it might be better for us tomorrow. Or maybe the good that we seek and the good that someone else seeks might not be good all on the same night. Maybe we can't have chicken nuggets and pizza and hamburgers all at the same time. Maybe God knows it, that we need a little bit of vegetables in our life as well. You know, God wants to give us good things and God sees the bigger picture to know what is good and to know what we can handle at any given time. And and I think about, you know, the ways that, you know, my kids are just ready to offer up the things that they want and and how God kind of uh, hears and, and picks up all the different concerns, all the different prayers for people within our church, within our community or around the world. How God is seeking to do what is good in each of our lives seeking to do what is good for each of his children. And so as I was thinking about how God might process all of these different requests, all all these different asks that might come at a given time, it reminded me of this uh, old Jim Carrey movie uh, called Bruce Almighty. Uh, In the movie, uh, Jim Carrey plays Bruce, who's uh, a down on his luck uh, news anchor, reporter, television reporter. Uh, He ends up losing his job. He's got a few other issues, challenges, problems that he's going through. And so he begins to complain, you know, God, you're not doing your job correctly. God, God, you're not doing what's good. You're not doing what's right. I I think I could do better than you. And so God invites him to this meeting uh, and God tells him, okay, you got the job. You could be God for the week. And at first, Bruce is really excited about it, right? Uh, he, he begins to do all these, you know, God-type things. He gets his job back. Uh, he makes sure that whenever he goes to recover, uh, when he goes to cover some sort of breaking news, that, that there's always breaking news, that something spectacular happens. You know, a snap of his fingers, a, a twinkle of his nose, and wow, we've got this new, exciting report ahead of us. His His life, from a material standpoint, seems to be headed back on track. But then uh, things start to get a little bit complicated. He's God. So he starts to hear all these uh, voices in his head. And he asks God what these voices are. And he's told that these are prayers that he's going to need to figure out a way to address. And so we've got a little clip here uh, of how Bruce decides to handle you know, all of our prayer requests. Well, you took the job, Bruce, so I suggest you get to it. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers uh... This creepy whisper thing has to end Organization and management That's what I need I need a system, something concrete Concentrate Files Let all prayers be organized into files Well, that takes care of the voices Not exactly a space saver, though Grace might notice Prayer post-its. Okay, I need something with a lock, security, combination, password, password. Yo, you've got prayers. Welcome to the Revelation Super Highway. We bless. No mess. Downloading now. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. This is gonna take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. I better manifest some coffee. Hola, Juan Valdez. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Disfrute un buen café. Gracias, señor. Adiós. Adiós. Ah, now that's fresh mountain-grown coffee from the hills of Colombia. <laughs> Okay, I had with me some kind of a dent by now. Liners. This is gonna suck my whole life. You know what? Yes, to all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now everybody's happy. So, I mean, I, I could, I could really love if somebody has one of those Juan Valdez hookups. That would be, (laughs) that would be nice. But, uh, but, you know, as we see, uh, Bruce process all the prayer concerns that come in, right? The the millions of concerns that are lifted up in any given hour. I I think, you know, our approach, at least the approach that, uh, we would like to take is, is kind of like what he would say. Yes to all. Now everybody's happy, right? Maybe we wonder if, well, if God is good, why won't God just say yes to my prayer? Uh, Wouldn't that be heaven if God said yes to all of our prayers? Well, well, in the movie, and we couldn't show much more, it's an hour and a half long movie, uh, as we don't want to take up the whole service with the movie. But uh, in the movie, after he clicks yes to all of the prayer requests, uh, rather than experiencing heaven on earth, quite literally, they experience all hell breaking loose. Uh, there's there's rioting in the streets. You know, there's cars that are on fire and being flipped over. Uh, hundreds of people, thousands of people, prayed to win the lottery, uh, the multi-million dollar lottery. And so when they all won and each only received seventeen dollars, you know. Um, <laughs> I've got a problem. Uh, One group of people had prayer concerns and the answer yes to their prayer affected another group of prayer. And so now they've got a set of grievances on their hands. Another group had uh, prayer concerns that impacted another group on the other side of the city. And so now they have problems and challenges on their hands. And so everybody is in the streets. There's complete and utter chaos. As Bruce looks around, he realizes that it's because of his actions, his, his easy yeses to everything. And so the movie ends with Bruce going back to God, humbly realizing the complexity of the world, and in a meaningful conversation, God asks him, you know, what is it that you really want, Bruce? So Bruce begins to pray a little bit differently, right? He learns that the things that he often throws up in prayer are just the material things, the the treasures of earth that are quickly consumed and lost. But the prayers that that truly matter, the the true longings of his heart focus on on peace, on joy, on courage, on compassion, on uh, those conditions within his life and within the lives of those that he cares about, And then in this conversation that he and God have together, God kind of leaves him with the challenge that not only can you trust that I'm working for good, but I've also given you the ability to work and to do something good in the midst of life. That perhaps I've placed you in a role kind of at such a time as this, that you might be able to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. That it's not only about entrusting me to do good, you can do that, but there's a good that you are being called to do as well. The complexity of entrusting concerns to God, while also doing what's in our ability to do good in the world, isn't something that's lost on Scripture. In his commentary on the Book of Matthew, Michael Wilkins talks about a conference that he went to that featured uh, two different speakers. One was speaking on our passage today and had uh, a message entitled "Knocking Down the Doors." The other uh, person was preaching on Psalm forty-six, ten, which says, "Be still." Cease striving and know that I am God. And the message was entitled, Letting Go and Let, Letting God. Right? And there's this kind of tension here between letting go and taking a responsibility of, of doing nothing and knocking down the doors, but doing both as an act of faith. And I think it is Sermon on the Mount as we read it as a whole and not just as a particular section. But if we look at it as a whole, he's, Jesus is helping us to find kind of this, this balance in between these two. Right? Let your light shine before others. Do the good that God has called you to do. Pursue a life of righteousness, doing what is right uh, in your life and right in your relationship with others, right in relationship with God, while also bringing all of these things to God in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking, trusting that God is good and knows how to give good to his children. It means that I have to trust uh, that offering the best that I can at any given time to God is something that God will use for good while also trusting that, that bringing everything before God in prayer submits it all to the God who is good. For each of us, it's holding on to the promise that God is good and that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes while while also taking whatever steps God has laid out in front of us to do what is good and what is pleasing to him. Uh, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible, uh, the story of Joseph and uh, the multicolored coat, uh, the technicolor dream coat, uh, I guess we could say. But Joseph, uh, he has these big dreams that God has given him. God has placed on his heart about who he would be, who he would become. Uh, but he faces a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles in his way. His brothers, Uh, hear about his dream and they become jealous. And so they beat him up. They throw him into a pit and are going to leave him to die until a caravan passes by and they sell Joseph off into slavery. Joseph could have taken this as a sign, you know what, maybe it's not going to work out, maybe I just give up, maybe God isn't good. But Joseph didn't do that. Instead, Joseph trusted that God was good, that God was going to work for his good. And so Joseph did what was good and what was right and what was God honoring. And so as a slave, uh, Joseph rose up the ranks to where he was the, the highest ranking person in the household. Uh, he had the full trust of those around him. He did what was pleasing to God and he had God's favor upon him. But then uh, some people decided to lie about him. The master had Joseph thrown into jail. Joseph could have given up. He could have said, You know what? This isn't working. Doing what's good isn't working. God isn't showing up. My dream's not coming true that God placed in my heart. But he didn't. Joseph uh, continued to pray, trusting that God was good. Joseph continued to do what is good and what is right and what is God honoring. So Joseph rose up the ranks until he was the highest ranking person out of all those who were among the jail. He had the, the trust of the jailer and would often be left in charge at times. God's favor was upon Joseph and he made some friends and those friends promised, they told him, hey, you know, Joseph, whenever we get out, uh, we'll, we'll put in a good word for you and we'll help you get out. But well, when they got out, uh, they forgot about Joseph and went on with their life. So again, Joseph could have given up. He could have said, you know what, that was that was my chance, and it's over and it's gone. Uh, but he didn't. He continued to trust in God, continued to do what is good and what is right. And so God uh, opened up an opportunity. God opened up a way where there didn't seem that there would be a way. And Joseph had an opportunity to come before the Pharaoh of Egypt, the 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 king, the ruler over all of the land of Egypt. And Joseph had an opportunity to offer some some wisdom, some insight uh, for the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh was going to give him a lot of praise. And Joseph said, no, no, it's not me. This is about uh, God. This is about the God who is good and wants good for you and for your people as well. And so the Pharaoh responded and he said, okay, Joseph, I'm going to make you second in charge over everything. Right? Joseph's uh, dream was, was being realized. This dream that God gave him was coming to fruition. But I think one of my favorite parts of the story is kind of what happens next. As he's the second in charge over all of Egypt, uh, it happens that his brothers, the ones who threw them into the ditch, the ones who had beat him, who had sold him into slavery, uh, they come into Joseph's palace and they come in need. They don't recognize him. Apparently he's changed over the years and so they're not quite sure who he is. But Joseph recognizes them. And here's his chance. He could exact revenge upon them. He could have them thrown into jail for the rest of their lives. He could have them executed on the spot. But Joseph shows them mercy. Joseph offers them grace. And when they realize who he is, you know, his brothers are completely sorry. Joseph, we're so sorry for what we did. Joseph, we're so sorry for all the challenges, all the difficulties, all the obstacles that, that came your way because of us. And Joseph says what I think is one of the most uh, beautiful phrases in all of Scripture. Uh, As they're apologizing, as they're telling him sorry, Joseph just looks at him and he says, you know, what you have meant for evil, God meant for good. what, What you meant to bring harm into my life, what you meant to destroy me, God has used it to do something good. I love this story because even when we don't see all the things that are happening, uh, even when uh, we, the world around us seems to be crumbling, even when people around us uh, might be bringing us down, might be mistreating us, might be bringing harm and hurt into our lives, we can still trust that God is good, that God is working even in the midst of those obstacles and challenges to do something that is good within us and for us. Jesus says, "If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him?" And know, God isn't like the, the magic gumball machine in the sky where I put in my prayer coin and, and down pops you know the thing that I uh, that I'm asking for. It, it doesn't happen like that. But we see throughout Scripture, and we see as we look back in our lives that, that God is good. That God gives good things to those who ask him. That that God hears when you call upon his name, when you ask, when you seek, when you knock. God is working for your good even now. God has proven his goodness over and over. God has proven his faithfulness to his people knows no end. That he has mercies that are new every morning. God has shown us just how good he is when he gave us Jesus. God you know, looked down from heaven and he saw the world uh, full of sin, full of hurt. He saw a world that was full of chaos, full of sorrow. God looked down and he saw you with all of your sin, with all of your faults, with all of your failures, all of the hurts that you carry because of the sin of others. God looked down and he saw it all and he loved you. God has loved each of us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus went around doing good, uh, living the perfect life that none of us could live, a life of righteousness and right relationship with God and with others. God gave him up for us. Jesus died on the cross, taking all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame upon his body. Uh, Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that has brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So God's goodness was on display as Jesus died so that your sins could be forgiven, uh, so that your heart could be made whole. And then God raised him from the dead. God brought him back to life and offered new life to us through that. Offered us hope that because Christ has been raised from the dead, that there is no situation that God cannot bring something good out of. No matter how broken, no matter how dead it might seem, God can bring life even in the midst of hopelessness. And he promises each of us that if we are in Christ, that if we find our life in Christ, that he makes a new creation out of us. He takes what's hurt and broken and he brings healing to it. And he leads us into his goodness to do the good that he's created us for, that he's called us for, while we trust that he is ultimately the one who is good. See, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is proof that we can trust in God's goodness. Jesus is the proof for you and for me and for everyone that God is good all the time. And that all the time, God is good. Let us pray. Gracious God. We thank you that you are good, uh, that you love us with it always and forever, uh, never giving up unconditional love, a love that continues to pursue us, a love that lifts us up and encourages us, that comforts us, that is a peace and a joy for us. Lord, we pray that we truly might trust in your goodness, that we might uh, trust in the work that Christ has done for us, that we might live our lives in response to do the good that you have created and called us to. we pray that as we do, that others might see and know you at work within us. They might see and know that you are a good father who loves his children, and they might be drawn unto you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.